So a few months ago, our church was doing uh, some outreach down at the flea market in Webster. And we try and draw people to our booth through things like live music and free giveaways. And this most recent time, we were giving away free drawstring bags. And inside, there were things like hand sanitizer and lotion, etc. And we were also telling people that with the bag was a free raffle ticket. Because at set times that morning, we were going to give away a free $100 gift card and a free brand new guitar. So we brought 100 bags with us. And I figured we'd give them all out probably in the first 45 minutes. But about two hours into it, I think we had given 20 bags away because people just refused to take them. They looked at me and Pastor Brandon like we were a couple of con men trying to swindle them out of their life savings. In fact, one family heard what we were trying to give away, and they, they walked off without accepting it. And I heard the mom turn to her kids, and she said, well, that's a lie. And all I could think was how sad I was for them that they would think that, because the prizes were very real. Obviously, they went to another family who chose to come back for that. But it was shocking to me how many people chose to believe that the fact that we would give away something free was just too good to be true. Now, obviously, the main reason we were there was to give away the gospel. We wanted to share the good news with people that through faith in Jesus Christ, they could be forgiven of all their sin, pardoned from the penalty of hell, and they could receive eternal life. That guarantee that after this life, they will be in heaven with the Lord. But I have found that there are many people who view eternal life and who view heaven the way that these crowds viewed the free raffle prizes. Uh, many people view heaven as too good to be true, or as a giant con, some lie propagated by Christians. In fact, very recently, a famous Hollywood actor did an interview, and he was asked what he believes happens when we die. This is what he said. He said, nothing, you're six feet under, and anyone that tells you something else is a liar. And he went on to say that heaven is nothing more than a fantasy. Of course, as Christians, we are convinced of just the opposite, that heaven isn't a fantasy. No, 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 it's, it's a reality. So I, I want us to ask ourselves this morning, believers, why do we believe this? Why do we believe that heaven is true, that it is a reality? We're continuing this morning our Why I Believe sermon series by looking at the reasons why we believe in heaven as Christians. So that's going to be our goal this morning, to look at some of those reasons. If you'd like to follow along in your Bible... And I would encourage you to do that. Go ahead and turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to follow along using one of those Bibles under the seats in front of you. If you want to use one of those, you can turn to page 875. Page 875. John chapter 14. Now like many of the Sermons in this series so far, I want you to know we're going to be looking at a lot of different scriptures. In fact, we're not going to look at John 14 for a few minutes. There's a few other passages we'll look at briefly first. But I would encourage you, jot down the references to these other passages we look at. So you can take them home. You can look at these during the week. See what the scripture says. Now, since we're going to be talking this morning about why we believe in heaven, that it exists, that it is real, I want us to take, just very briefly, just a minute, to understand what we mean by heaven. All right? Heaven is not some state of mind, as some people claim. No, we believe that heaven is a real and literal place. 
It is the place where God's people will be with him after this life. Believers, we will not, after this life, enter into some sort of soul sleep. We will not go to purgatory or some other holding place. The Bible is very clear. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8 says that to be absent from the body, for the believer, is to be present with the Lord. So that is what we believe. And what will this heavenly eternity be like for us? Well, the Bible says that for Christians, our eternity, and we'll put some of these scriptures on the screen for you, our eternity is going to be one free from death and mourning and crying and pain. It will be an eternity free from sickness. No longer will we wrestle with sin and the sin nature. When we are in the presence of God, we will be in a place of worship, a place of service, a place of perfect righteousness, a place of rest, and a place of reward for God's people. In fact, I'm going to encourage you this week, go and read the final two chapters in your Bible, Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22, because in those chapters we get just a brief glimpse of our eternity, which will take place on what the Bible calls the new heaven and the new earth. That's the final two chapters in your Bible. Go read that. So, so that's very briefly what heaven and what our eternity will, will be like. But, but again, the question this morning is, why do we believe in heaven's existence at all? So we're going to look at a few reasons together. And the first one is this. We believe in heaven because the reality of heaven has been told to us by reliable sources. It's the first reason why we believe in heaven. I have told my oldest son several times the story of the boy who cried wolf. I do not tell him that story anymore because the moral has been lost on him. He thinks it is kind of silly that the boy gets eaten at the end, which I also understand I've been telling him that story incorrectly, but I already told it to him that way and I'm committed. So that's what I've been telling him. But of course, the reason I told him the story in the first place is because we want him to understand that if you are not consistently truthful, people won't know when to trust you. Now, what would you say if I told you that there are two 100% truthful and reliable sources that tell us about the reality of heaven? Well, then maybe they'd be sources worth listening to. And the first one, the first reliable source on heaven is the testimony of the Bible itself. Now, we saw earlier in our sermon series why we believe in the Bible as Christians. There's a reason we started with that one first. We saw that we believe in the Bible because it's accurate, because it's authoritative, because it has the answers for our life. And here's the thing. If we believe in the trustworthiness of the Bible, then we must believe in heaven. Because the Bible is clear that heaven is, in fact, a real place. Let me give you some examples. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 15. Speaking to God, the speaker says this in verse 15, says, Look down from heaven, your holy dwelling place, and bless your people Israel, and the land you have given us, as you promised on oath to our ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. All right, so this verse, and there are others like it, is talking about the fact uh, that God... He dwells in heaven. So heaven is real, and that is where God is. You know, it's interesting. Uh, there was a recent Gallup poll on religious beliefs in America. And of the people polled, 74% responded saying that they believe in the existence of God, which I was actually shocked to hear was that high. 
but I'm encouraged by that. 74% said that they believe in God. And of the same people polled, only 67% said that they believe in heaven. In other words, there were people who said that God is real, but heaven isn't real. Now, of course, that means that these individuals don't know much about God. Because God has revealed heaven to us. The truth of it, he's revealed that in his word, the Bible. He's told us that that is the place where he dwells. Not only that, the Bible is also clear that heaven is the place where the people of God will be after this life. Now, this is true all throughout Scripture. So let's look at some of the earliest examples. In fact, if you go towards the very beginning of your Bible, in Genesis chapter 5, we are very briefly introduced to this guy named Enoch. Listen to what Genesis chapter 5 tells us. It says that altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Boy, doesn't that sound nice? Somebody said no. It says, altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, and then he was no more because God took him away. Well, took him away? Where exactly did God take Enoch? Now, the story of Elijah, which takes place thousands of years later, might help. This is in 2 Kings chapter 2. Elijah is walking with his protege, Elisha. And this is what 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 11 says. It says, As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Where did Elijah go? He went to heaven. Now, why God took Enoch and Elijah in this different way is a different discussion for a different time. But the question is, where are Enoch and Elijah? They're in heaven. Why is that where they are? Because that is where God's people dwell with him after this life. And to be where he is, is to be in heaven. This is why Philippians chapter 3 tells Christians this. It says, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our true home is heaven, and, and that's where our Savior is right now. In fact, the Bible tells us that after Jesus rose from the dead and then appeared to many of his followers, Acts chapter 1, verse 11 says that Jesus ascended to heaven. The Bible is quite clear that heaven is an actual place. So here's the thing. If heaven isn't real, if heaven doesn't exist, if it's a figment of our imaginations, if it's just wishful thinking, well, then the Bible's wrong. On many accounts, it's wrong. And if it's wrong, that means the Bible's not trustworthy. That means that we need to throw the Bible out, and we need to throw our faith out with it. But we are convinced of better things, believers, because the Bible, God's word to us, is trustworthy time and time again. And you know what? So is our Savior. In fact, the second trustworthy source that we have of heaven comes from the testimony of Jesus. Jesus made it very clear that he came from heaven. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 38. He said, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And who sent him? Well, the Father. So here Jesus is affirming that not only did he come from heaven, but that the Father is in heaven. After all, what was that thing Jesus told us when he gave the example of prayer that we now know as the Lord's Prayer? He said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
So Jesus tells us that heaven is a real place. And not only that, Jesus also taught that his people will be in heaven. Now look at John chapter 14. Verse 1, Jesus said this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. You need to remember that Jesus, Jesus was saying these things to his disciples when he was in his final hours with them, before he was betrayed and arrested and put to death on a cross. He was trying to prepare them for this reality that he was going to be put to death. Then he was going to rise from the dead. He was going to ascend to heaven. But he wanted them to know that the good news was that, first of all, he wasn't abandoning them. And not only that, when he left, he was going to prepare a place for them so that they could be with him one day there in heaven. Which again means that if if heaven isn't real, then Jesus is a liar. And if Jesus is a liar, then he was not the perfect sacrifice for sin that we needed so that we could be forgiven. And if that's true, then that means that we're still in our sins, believers. But again, we're convinced of better things because we know that the words of the Lord are trustworthy. And so later in Luke 23, when Jesus looked at the repentant thief on the cross and said to him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Because the Lord is trustworthy, we know, we know that the thief is with the Lord right now. Not six feet under, fading away into non-existence, not in some state of mind, not in purgatory. No, that thief, he is in paradise and in the paradise of heaven with the Lord. But I understand there are many people who still reject this. Many people who say that they don't believe because they don't trust the Bible. They don't trust in the word of Jesus. There are many people who would say that. They're like the atheist who decided to go to the evangelistic meeting one day. And after the meeting, he stood up and he loudly declared, I don't believe in your God. I don't believe in heaven or hell. I don't believe in Jesus either. He said, I don't believe that they exist because I can't see them. Well, after he said that, a man wearing dark glasses came forward and he said, People say there's a river near this place, huh? Well, that can't be true. You say that there are people standing around here, but but that must be a lie too. I can't see them. The man said, you see, I was born blind. He said, only a blind man can say what I have said, and only a spiritually blind man can say what you have said. He said, the Bible says this of you in 1 Corinthians 2, that the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. You see, heaven, like most spiritual truths, heaven is going to seem like nonsense to many unbelievers because their minds are darkened by unbelief. Of course we believe in heaven by faith. And the truth of it has been made very clear to us. 
We believe that it is real and that one day we who are followers of Jesus Christ will be there too. Why? Because Jesus has said so. And so has God's word, the Bible. That leads to our next reason for believing in heaven that I want us to see. If you're following along, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. If you're using those Bibles here in the sanctuary, that's page 980. Page 980, 1 Peter chapter 1. Again, we believe that we who are followers of Jesus Christ by faith, we are going to be in heaven one day too. And that is because we believe in heaven because heaven is the outcome of our salvation. Listen to what 1 Peter chapter 1 says, beginning in verse 3. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I will never get tired of that passage. I hope you never do. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we have received the salvation of our souls. That is, we have been saved from the penalty of hell, and we've been saved into a heavenly inheritance. This is our living hope, the Bible says. Now, I've said this before, and I want to say it again. When Christians, when we talk about our hope as Christians, it is not some fingers-crossed wish. No, no, no. The hope of Christians, it is a confident assurance. It is the expectation that God will fulfill the word that He has spoken because He's promised these things, and God does not lie. And we are confident, believers, that the one who saved us from sin and hell, that the one who sees us through the various griefs and trials in this life, is the one who will bring about the end result of our faith, the salvation of our souls, when we step into heaven. That's a guarantee for followers of Jesus Christ. D.L. Moody, that famous pastor of the 19th century, he once said this to his church. He said, Someday you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. He said, Don't you believe a word of it. At that very moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher, that's all, out of this old clay tenement into a house that's immortal. A body that death can't touch, that sin can't taint. A body fashioned like the Lord's glorious body. He said, that which is born of the flesh may die, but that which is born of the Spirit lives forever. 
See, D.L. Moody understood the truth of Scripture. The very truth that Paul declared in Philippians 1.21 when Paul famously said that to live is Christ and to die is gain for the Christian. You see, for the Christian, death is great gain. Because in death, we enter into the fullness of our salvation as we step into glory, as we step into the presence of our Savior, as we step into our inheritance in heaven. See, we who are followers of Jesus, we believe in heaven because it is the guarantee of our salvation. So for anyone to say that they believe in the God of Scripture, but they don't believe in heaven, that's quite strange to me. Because the God of Scripture has said without reservation that you will be with Him when this life ends, believer. We don't enter into soul sleep when we're away from the body. When we die, we don't enter into soul sleep. We don't go to purgatory or some other holding place. We don't face annihilation or go into oblivion. I understand why atheists might think these things. But the Bible says that we aren't like those who have no hope. No, no, no. We have the greatest hope which is found in our great God. And it's in God that we find the next reason to believe in the reality of heaven. If you're following along, go ahead and turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, if you're using those Bibles here in the sanctuary, that's page 987. Page 987, 1 John chapter 3. You know, God, God created us to have a relationship with us. That's why He created mankind. God wanted to love on us and give us the opportunity to freely love and worship Him in return. But sadly, we chose sin over Him. And from the moment that mankind first sinned in the Garden of Eden, things came crashing down. God's perfect creation started to deteriorate. Death and disease spread. Sin grabbed hold of our hearts. Yet the amazing thing is that we don't find that God threw up his hands in disgust and gave up on us. Although we certainly would have deserved that. That's not what we find. Instead we find that in that moment that mankind first sinned, God began the greatest rescue plan of all time, which is summarized in the most well-known verse of all time, John 3.16. Which says that for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. God's love did not end for us after He created us. There are many people who think that. They think that, that God created everything and then just walked away and left things to be as they are. That's not what Scripture tells us. His love didn't end there. Nor did His love end after after we rejected Him in our rebellious sins. No, God continued pouring out His love that He might draw people to Him in faith. Oh, and then, then came that great outpouring of His love when He sent His Son to this earth. And Jesus, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He took the wrath of sin on Himself for us. And God's love, we didn't end at the cross either. The point of the sacrifice of Jesus is that through faith in Him, we could be forgiven of sin, pardoned from hell, and given eternal life so that we could live forever with God when this life ends. In other words, God wants to love on us and have us walk with Him for all eternity, forever. And every moment we spend in heaven is going to be a reminder of that love. 
Every moment is going to be a reminder of God's grace in salvation and his mercy that we're there instead of in the judgment that we deserve. In other words, the final reason we believe in heaven is because of God's love. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. And all who have this hope in Him purify themselves just as He is pure. Church, do we know exactly what heaven is going to be like? Do we know exactly what our glorified bodies will be like? Do we know exactly what eternity is going to look like for us? No. No, not exactly. But if you've been saved by Jesus Christ, then you should know the greatness of his love. And it is unfathomable to me that the all-powerful God of the universe would desire for us to be with him in the place of his perfection and glory and to be there forever. Church, only love can explain that fact. Church, why do we believe in heaven? We believe in heaven because it's been revealed to us by reliable sources, namely God and the words of the Son of God. We believe in heaven because it is the outcome of our faith and our salvation. And we believe in heaven because it is the continuation of God's perfect love towards us. Now, are these things going to convince a skeptic? Perhaps not. That's okay. The skeptic first needs to be convinced of the existence of God, the reality of their sin, and the real consequences for sin. That's what they need to be convinced of first. I understand, though, that there are Many individuals here who are, of course, followers of Jesus Christ. Many people would say, Andrew, I, I do believe in heaven. I believe in Jesus. He's my Savior. I know that I'm going to be there with him. And if you're here and Jesus is your Savior, before you leave, I want to encourage you with just a couple ways that the reality of heaven should change your daily living. First, the reality of heaven means, believers, that we do not need to fear death. I understand that sounds kind of obvious. But sadly, I know a number of Christians who, who do fear death. Again, the Bible said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that we aren't like those who have no hope. Rather, we have the greatest hope. When Paul famously said that for the Christian to live is Christ and to die is gain, just a couple verses later, Paul went on to say that to depart from this life, to depart and be with Christ is better by far. It's better. See, the world can't say that about death. That Hollywood actor I mentioned earlier, the one who said that heaven is a fantasy, he also said this. In the interview, he said, I know people feel comfortable with death, but I don't. Yeah, and you know what? He shouldn't. But as Christians, we, we know the great things that await us, believer. And we don't need to fear death. But that also means that we do not need to fear this life. You see, the second thing, believers, 
is that the reality of heaven means that we do not need to fear the difficulties we face in life. This is how Paul put it in Romans chapter 8. Paul said this. He said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. That's one to memorize, church. One pastor put it this way, our suffering in life is short, whereas our glory is forever. Believer, no matter what great pains you might be feeling in your life, no matter what stress you might be under right now, no matter what attacks you might be facing for your faith, no matter what overwhelming temptations are in your life that never seem to take a break, believer, keep pushing forward and living for Jesus Christ, knowing that at the end of this life, you will have rest in the greatness of glory. When I was in college, I once went and ran with the cross-country team in one of their practices, although I have no earthly idea why I did that. (laughs) If you are unfamiliar with cross-country, it is basically running for a very long time and eventually, I don't know, winning. It's a race. But here's the thing. For me, running without a ball in my hands is boring. It's monotonous. Running for a long time is painful at times. But as I ran, I kept reminding myself The course isn't forever. There's a finish line somewhere. Believers, the race of this life is hard sometimes. Maybe you're in a season of life where maybe it feels monotonous. Maybe you're in a season of life where it's just painful right now. But this life isn't forever. And believer, Christ will bring you across the finish line in his timing. So don't don't stop striving for righteousness. Don't stop standing up for Christ. Don't stop living a life that would honor Him. Keep your eyes on Him and remember that glory will be greater than your sufferings in this life. Push forward so that you can join with Paul who said this in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. I pray that we will all be able to say that one day, believers, as that finish line approaches. Church, the truth this morning that I want us to walk away with very simply is this. The reality of our eternity in heaven should change how we are living our lives on earth. The reality of our eternity in heaven should change how we're living our lives on the earth. If you believe in heaven, that should change how you're living right now. We should live lives that are bold for Jesus Christ because we know the great things that are awaiting us. So believer, whatever you may be facing this week, make sure that you stand up for Christ, that you live in a way that would please Him. And remember that no matter what you face, remember that the same Lord who said He is preparing a place in heaven for you has also said that He will never leave you and He will never forsake you. So let's strive to live for the One who loves us and gave Himself up for us until that great day when we get to see him face to face. I want to close with this. Someone once said that there are three things that they will wonder when they are in heaven. They said, first, 
I will wonder that I shall not find many people there of whom I was certain would be. Second, I will wonder that I shall find many people there whom I was sure wouldn't be. But lastly, and most wonderful of all, that I am actually there myself. And I hope that you'll find yourself there too one day, friend. But if you're here and Jesus is not your Savior, I want you to understand something. There are a lot of people out there who say that there are many ways to God, many ways to heaven. You can follow really any belief system. It doesn't matter as long as you're a good person. A lot of different things like that. But I want to tell you the truth today. You see, we read earlier when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Just a couple verses later, Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father but by me. Friend, it is only through faith in Jesus Christ, through faith in his sacrifice on the cross. He died for your sins and mine. He didn't stay in the grave. He powerfully rose from the dead. I don't serve a dead Savior. I serve a living Savior. And Jesus wants to forgive you of all your sins. He wants to pardon you from the penalty of hell. He wants to give you eternal life. The guarantee that you will be there one day in heaven with him. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, please understand that the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And friend, in that moment, He'll forgive you of all your sins. He'll bring you into His family and He'll give you eternal life. If you've never made that decision, we want you to be able to do that before you leave. Would you pray with me? Friend, if that's where you are at this morning, Jesus isn't your Savior, you've never given your life to Him, you can't say with confidence that you know you're going to be in heaven one day. Friend, if that's true for you, please understand, during this final song, you can come and talk with me. You can ask me whatever questions you might have. We can pray together. But if you're here and and you, you know that you need Jesus Christ, and you're ready to give your life to Him. I don't want you to have to wait another minute separated from Him. So if that's where you're at, please know that wherever you're sitting right now, no matter what you're going through in life, you can go to Jesus Christ in prayer and by faith give your life to Him and He will save you. You can pray something simple like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know my sins are separating me from You. But Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. And I believe that you didn't stay in the grave, but that you rose from the dead. And Jesus, today, I am asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to be my Savior. I'm giving you my life. Because I know you can do more of it than I can. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if there is anyone here this morning who made that decision, that they wouldn't leave before they tell someone. Because we witnessed earlier, this is a church that rejoices over salvation when an individual gives their life to Jesus Christ. I pray we would always be a church that rejoices over that. If there's anyone here who's still on the fence, they're not sure where they stand with you or what decision to make, I pray that you would move in their heart to talk to someone before they leave, that they'd come down the aisle and talk to me during this final song. And Father, for those of us who have made that decision, who have given our lives to Jesus Christ, who are looking forward to that eternal future that we have with You, 
I pray that the reality of heaven would change how we are living our earthly lives. When we leave this place, I pray that we would be bold in our faith for you. That we would share the gospel with others. That we would stand up for righteousness in an unrighteous time. That we would choose to be found living in a way that pleases you, not in a way that pleases our culture. And help us to remember that no matter what we face, that our present sufferings cannot compare to the glory that will be revealed in us. Father, we love you. But heaven is just one of the many reminders that you love us more. And we thank you for that. Be with us as we leave this place, as we sing this song. We pray that you be honored and glorified. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.